Welcome to another exciting episode of The Tax Efficient Investor. Listen in as host Michael Johnston demystifies tax-efficient tactics to help you grow your wealth. We break down complex tax strategies and make them simple to understand and easy to implement. From HSAs to IRAs, 1031s, trusts, and more, we cover it all here on The Tax Efficient Investor. Welcome to the show. I'm Michael Johnston. Joining me today is my longtime friend and business partner and the co-founder of Wealth Channel, Andy Hagens. Andy, great to have you here. I'm excited to be here. Let's talk some HSAs. So for these first few episodes, Andy, I asked you to put together a list of the topics that you, as a high net worth investor, had questions about. When you jumped at the opportunity, you sent me a great list of topics. So you're going to be asking the questions. I'm hopefully giving the answers here. I'll hand it over to you. Fire away. Yeah. And health savings accounts are something I'm not as familiar with. So some of the topics we're covering, I know a little bit about them or I've used this strategy before. This is a strategy I've never used, but I really want to learn about because I think I might want to use it. Uh, but to set the stage, Michael, can you give me the high level summary? What is an HSA and why do I care? So a health savings account is something that goes hand in hand with a high deductible health plan. So that's what's called a consumer-driven health care option, kind of an alternative to the more traditional health care plans that would typically have a lower deductible. High deductible health care plan has, surprise, surprise, a high deductible. So to help out consumers who are on a high deductible health plan, there's something called an HSA, which is an account that has a ton of tax advantages. It's actually triple tax advantaged. You get tax deductible contributions, you get tax-free growth. And when you use it for qualified medical expenses, you get tax-free withdrawals as well. So this is like the holy grail, triple tax advantaged. But there's kind of a little wrinkle here. If you don't use it for healthcare expenses, after age 65, you have to pay taxes when you take it out, but there's no penalties. So after age 65, Andy, if you have extra money in your HSA, you can take it out, buy a house, go on vacation, go to the baseball game, whatever you want to do, and there's no penalties. You've got to pay taxes. So it essentially acts as a traditional IRA. So I like to think of the HSA as I call it sometimes the stealth IRA, because if you use it correctly, it's essentially another IRA, another way to stock away money for retirement. I love that. So we had the we have the backdoor Roth IRA. Now we have the stealth IRA. I think, you know, 529s kind of remind me of the same thing. Like in, in some ways, they're kind of like a, a Roth IRA, I guess. But the problem is, is I have to spend that on my kids' education. You know, I'm kidding. Uh, it's not really a problem. But back to the HSA, I, my main question on this is, who can even use this? It seems like more of a niche. Um more of a niche product in the sense, niche, niche, in the sense that so many people, if they're an employee of a major corporation, if they work in academia, if they uh, work for the government, they probably have a low deductible health insurance plan, right? Right. And if you do have that, you can't use it. So you have to be on a high deductible health plan. And that's a term that is defined by the federal government. There's some thresholds associated with it. It changes every year based on inflation. But for 2023, there's a couple of requirements. You have to have, for a family, a deductible of at least $3,000. Right. 
And then there's also a maximum for your out-of-pocket expenses of $15,000 for the health plan. If it meets those criteria, it's probably an HDHP, a high deductible health plan. Now, this is something that gets a little bit complicated, Andy. I'd say if you're unsure, if you're on an HDHP, it's something you can ask your employer or your insurance provider. They'll know right away. This is, again, a term that's defined by the federal government, and it's a requirement to being able to do an HSA is that you are on a high deductible health care plan. Got and it. then, Andy, there's a couple other requirements as well that uh, aren't, aren't nearly as, as tricky and easier to meet. You can't be on Medicare. So really no way around that. If you're on Medicare, you can't use this and you can't be a dependent on someone else's tax return. And again, there's really no way around that. More cut and dry, but you've got to meet those criteria. And then I'd also add, you know, I noted you've got to wait until 65 to be able to take this money out without incurring some penalties, Andy. And that's a, it can be a long time. If you're younger, you, you can't touch this money until you're 65 if you're planning on taking it out in kind of a stealth IRA fashion using it to fund living expenses. So you've got to have patient capital that you can say goodbye to until you hit that magic number 65. Well, in, in that sense, you can treat it as a retirement account, although some retirement accounts you can take distributions from before age 65, right? Like maybe you retire early, maybe you retire at age 63 or 61 or, or whatever. Um, so it sounds to me, if, if I can parrot this back to you, it sounds to me like this is a fit for a lot of self-employed people, or just people who aren't on that typical employer-provided, you know, high-quality, low-premium type health insurance plan. Like, like I'm self-employed. Me and my family, we buy our health insurance through the exchange, you know, from the the available plans that are uh, mandated to be available in our state and that have to be listed on healthcare.gov. I know this is all very highly regulated. So it sounds to me like I should be looking potentially for a plan that allows for an HSA, and I might be like a, a perfect candidate to set one of these up? Sounds like it, Andy. It sounds like you're probably on a high deductible healthcare plan. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you should be putting money into an HSA and then either using that to reimburse yourself for qualified medical expenses or to the extent, you know, hopefully, uh, there's not a lot of medical expenses in your family and this money grows for a bunch of years and you've got a very overfunded HSA in retirement. And when you hit 65, you're healthy and happy and you've got essentially a traditional IRA with a bunch of money in it. It's interesting because, you know, I feel like not enough people use HSAs. Maybe they're, and this is true of a lot of tax efficient strategies. They just are, are not understood. But the interesting mm -hmm. thing to me is that this type of account would be a huge win if I use it for my family's healthcare expenses, right? It's triple tax advantaged in your language. But even if I, if I don't use it for that at all, or, or only minimally or partially, it still is a win because it gives me a lot more tax advantage space, like this kind of uh, stealth IRA, like either... I guess, I guess in, in the mind of an investor or consumer, that uncertainty can sort of be hard to process that like, I'm not sure which function it will perform, but it, it seems to me that either outcome is a very good outcome for me. That's right. You've got, you've got two great choices. This money is either going to be double tax advantaged if you use it for fun stuff, for living expenses, for trips, cars, whatever, after age 65, or it's going to be triple tax advantaged if you use it for qualified medical expenses. 
So yeah, there's some uncertainty there. You know, you don't know exactly what your what your healthcare expenses are going to be. Uh, but you know, choosing between double tax advantage or triple tax advantage, I'm, I'm happy with either outcome there. That's great. Heads I win, tails I win. I mean, I would take single tax advantage, but I'm, I'm <laughs> certainly not going to turn down double or triple. Okay, let's model some dollars and cents here. How much wealth will this create in the short term, in the long term? You know what? I know you you love to model this stuff out. So model this out for me. How much how much wealth is this going to create if I set up an HSA this year? Yeah. So Andy, you know I'm a, I'm a spreadsheet dork. I love to think of scenarios here. So I'd run two scenarios. One, you do an HSA. You make the maximum contribution for a family, Andy. That's seven thousand seven hundred fifty for twenty twenty three. So that's scenario one. You put this money into an HSA. Scenario two, you don't. So you probably just leave it in a taxable account. So you're zero tax advantage with these expenses. You're you're paying for for uh, medical expenses. So the answer, Andy, is it depends. It depends on how long you have, what the returns are, what your tax rates are, et cetera, et cetera. But but don't worry, I'm going to answer your question here with some assumptions that I'll use. So let's say you're relatively young. Let's say you're 40. So you've got 25 years until that magic 60, 65th birthday. Let's say you're going to get 8% annual returns. And let's say you're going to be in a pretty high tax bracket uh, in, in retirement. So using those assumptions, this is going to create about $10,000 a year in incremental wealth that you will have in retirement. So that's future value after tax, additional money you're going to have in retirement if you do an HSA. And remember, Andy, you can do this every year. You can contribute this year, next year, as long as you get it in by the end of the calendar year. Uh, you can do this every year. And that $10,000 in, in incremental wealth you're creating kind of starts to add up. Yeah, no, that that is a substantial. I mean, again, any, any type of retirement account where you can put money in, it, because really, as investors, we run out of space, right? I mean, that's the real problem with 401ks, yep. or especially IRAs, like if you're doing a backdoor Roth, whatever that is, $6,500. It's just, it's not a lot of tax advantage space. So creating this space for more tax-free compounding, tax-deferred compounding, it really, really adds up every year. Um, my next question, Michael, for you was, how to do this step by step. I'm actually going to interject because I now I know what step one is because I'm in this situation. I'm self-employed. My family, we buy our insurance. Like we we have to review the different plans through healthcare.gov, through the exchange. They're available state by state. So step one, making sure I'm eligible, but that really comes down to making sure I'm in an eligible plan. So when I'm reviewing the, you know, I might need, I might even need to change insurance plans. I'm not sure, but I know that that's step one is making sure that my plan is eligible for the HSA. Is that right? That's right. That's step one. Again, if you're unclear, it's something that your insurance provider should have a pretty quick answer for. It's a pretty common question, kind of a technical yes or no. You're either an HDHP or you're not. So step two is you open a health savings account. And there's a lot of places you can do this. Fidelity has an HSA. Fidelity is a great low-cost provider. Um, health equity is another one, another service called Lively. We'll have some links in the show notes. There's a, a lot of providers out there. So you open your health savings account and you fund it. So for a family, the maximum this year, Andy, 7750 I think that's going up in 2024. It's going to be above $8,000. 
So that's indexed to inflation. Uh, so fortunately, that, that goes up uh, each year. And then invest it. Invest it in accordance with your investment objective. So think of this as part of your long-term portfolio. Um, so stock fund, bond fund, a balanced fund. Um, and, and, you know, I, I should note, you want to think of this as part of your portfolio. You may want to keep some in cash if you have an expense upcoming that you want to reimburse yourself for out of the HSA. So a, a little bit of strategy there. Um, but think of this as part of your, your portfolio and invest accordingly. Well, and that's a good point. So depending on my personal circumstances and my goal for this account, if I know I just want to use it for retirement, pure and simple, knowing myself, I'm just going to do a target date retirement fund. But um, if I think I might need it for healthcare expenses, then you might want to have a certain portion, 10, 20, 30,000, like who knows, you know, how X, X thousand dollars in cash or in money market. But then beyond that, you know, I think you do kind of get to a point where you're like, well, I'm probably not going to spend more than 30 or $40,000 in healthcare in any given year. So, you know, you could kind of, you could kind of probably allocate it accordingly. You could have like a short-term bucket and then you could, once you've funded enough, you could probably then have a long-term bucket, right? So you could, Andy, but there's, it's a great question. And it kind of, there's another, another wrinkle here that makes me love this even more is when you reimburse yourself for these qualified medical expenses, let's say you have a surgery or prescription drugs, there's a whole long list of things that qualify, but it's it's everything you'd expect and, and then some. Um, you don't have to reimburse yourself in a timely manner. There's no requirement that you reimburse yourself from your HSA within a month or a week. There's actually no timeline on it. So if you want to ride out the volatility, Andy, you can just allocate everything to, to risky assets. You don't necessarily need to keep cash. You have your surgery today, you pay out of pocket for it, keep all the documentation, keeps the receipts. You can reimburse yourself in 20 years and it'll be tax-free then, it'll be tax-free today if you wanna do it sooner. But you know, because one of the tax advantages is tax-free growth, you're probably better off keeping the money in the HSA where it's sheltered from taxes every year. Um, so long-winded way of saying, Andy, sure, you can reimburse yourself right away if you want to. That's going to be a tax-free reimbursement, a tax-free withdrawal, or you leave the money in there as long as possible. And maybe that gives you more comfort in allocating everything instead of leaving some money in cash. Understood. And that that would really be taking advantage of, you know, to use your language, the stealth IRA, you know, the yeah. the real advantage of, you know, I think I think this is this is a strategy that my guess is not a lot of people are going to use, but that that doesn't mean it's not a good strategy, right? I, the people who use this are going to be laughing all the way to the bank, laughing all the way to retirement. Well, you know, wh where would I go wrong? Where would I, you know, five years from now, uh, you know, I give you a call and I say, you know, Michael, I set up an HSA like I told you, but boy, that was a serious mistake because A, B, or C happened. Like, wh what are what are the mistakes or landmines or where would I go wrong in setting one of these up? Yeah, so I'll sound like a broken record here, but make sure you're able to do this, that you're allowed to do this. Make sure you are on a high deductible health plan. Uh, and if, if you're thinking, well, I'm just going to get on a high deductible health plan for a month and then I'll make this contribution and then I'll get back to my other health plan. It's actually not going to work. There's uh, four reasons why. Um, it's a little bit complicated, but you've got to be legitimately on a high deductible health plan. So that's the big one, Andy. Make sure you're eligible to actually do this. 
Um, otherwise, you're just going to create a huge headache for yourself, um, and nobody wants that. The second big mistake that that people can make with this is you have to wait till age 65. And, and think about what that means. For you know, that can be a long time. So it's got to be money if you're going to use it as a stealth IRA. If you're going to use it for non-medical expenses, you can't touch it until 65. You can touch it, but you're going to pay a big penalty. You're going to pay a 20% penalty. That's going to wipe out all the tax advantages that you've created and probably put you in the hole where you would have been better off never doing this. So it's got to be money that you are fine kissing you by and not seeing until age 65, besides for medical expenses. Okay. And then I think, Andy, a third mistake people make is hold on to that paperwork, hold on to that documentation if you're not going to reimburse yourself till later. Because uh, you you know you get audited or, or whatever you're going to want to have that to prove that this was a qualified medical expense. Yeah, it happened 20 years ago. I'm just reimbursing myself now, but that's allowed under the rules. And here's all the proof you need. See, that sounds funny to me. Uh, getting audited and having an IRS agent at my house and saying, "Oh, just call the hospital and make sense of this. Uh, make sense of this bill I received for the." Yeah, I know that's not really how it works, but. Well, you know, on that note, I want to ask about the risk here. Now you and I, we're, we're, I feel like we're tempting fate here. We're literally recording a video, audio podcast episode where we are referring to a health savings account as a stealth IRA, you know, kind of like we're using it in this sneaky way as a stealth IRA. Uh, is there any risk there that the IRS says, hold on, Andy, you never had any intention of using this for your health expenses. You were just trying to use this as a stealth IRA. And we have proof. We have proof because you use that exact phrase in the pot. Is it, is there any chance like you'd get in trouble or, you know, that, that, uh, I don't know how, how would this backfire? Yeah. Could it backfire? Yeah, it, it, I know people out there are probably saying, wait, I'm going to withdraw from something called a health savings account to go on vacation in retirement or buy a sports car or, you know, whatever. Um, that, that can't be right. But it is, Andy. It's pretty cut and dry. There's a, a lot of documentation, a lot of guidance from the IRS on this. There's a publication 969, all about health savings accounts. We'll link to that in the show notes. Great Publication reading. 502 from the IRS lays out exactly what is a qualified expense. And it's pretty cut and dry. After age 65, you're allowed to withdraw for, for non-qualified medical expenses. Of course, that could change in the future. Um, you know, Andy, the, the tax code is getting longer and more complicated every year. And is there's it? always another twist. Everything is always on the chopping block. I know you're, you're shocked, right, that um, that politicians might might change the tax code. Um, you know, so certainly it could go away in the future. But for right now, it's it's not really a gray area. It's pretty explicit. There's a long list of what qualifies as a medical expense, what doesn't, um, and pretty clear guidance about what the penalty is before age 65 and after, where it drops to zero. And what taxes you're going to pay. So, you know, it, it's uh, in, in that sense, I'm happy for all this documentation, for all this guidance, because it makes me feel good that, hey, this is allowed. You're pretty explicit about it. I'm allowed to do this. I love it. We're flipping the tables, right? Because normally I feel like I'm paying for my orthodontist to have a Porsche 911 uh, in his retirement. And now we're flipping it. And I'm going to use HSAs to have a Porsche 911 in my retirement, right? That's absolutely right, Andy. That's a great way to think about it. I think it's a great note to end on too with that happy little thought. So we'll leave it there for this episode. A quick note to our listeners. We would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review on Apple or Spotify. It really helps to spread the word. So if you've got a few extra moments to spare, thank you in advance for doing that. 
Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And Andy, thank you for joining me. It's been a pleasure. That's it for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify to help spread the word to other investors. And we'll be back soon with another episode.